At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Morning, Gospel Community Church. Uh, If we've not met, my name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and this morning it is my great privilege to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it. Well, at Gospel Community Church, uh, we preach through books of the Bible. That's what we do. We preach exegetically. Uh, The type of preaching that we do here is called text-driven, exegetical, gospel-centered preaching. At least that's uh, what we attempt. And here's what that means. What that means is, as we preach through text, the text itself decides the topic. Amen? That, that's, that's what we do as, we, as we're preaching through books of the Bible. We, I, I don't come up with a topic and then, then get that topic and take it to the text. I go to the text and out of the text comes the topic of the sermon today. So with that being said, today we're talking about money. <laughs> uh, pastor's going to talk about money today. Let me acknowledge uh, that, that churches and pastors in particular have abused this topic. Let me acknowledge that many pastors, instead of shepherding the flock, have just sheared the flock for their own dishonest gain. Let me acknowledge that most of the scandals that you find in churches uh, deal with sex, power, and money. Money. We, we must acknowledge these things and, and be plain and clear about them. <clears throat> that the abuse of this topic has driven many people away from the church. That, that as churches and pastors have abused this topic of money, people have said, this isn't what the Bible teaches at all, and, and they've left. And not only that, it has given non-believers a reason to stay away. So having acknowledged all of these things, today what we're going to attempt to do is simply say what the Bible says. Just because a topic has been abused does not mean that we shy away from it. As a matter of fact, because the topic is abused, we must take the word of God to it and say what the word says about that very important topic. And so if there is any offense today, let it be with the word of God. I don't don't write the mail, I just deliver it. And so in our text today, it's going to be Jesus telling you what to do with your money, not me telling you what to do with your money. So so there's that. And the truth be told, this is so important. Truth be told, about the topic today, it's actually so much deeper than money. It's it's so much more expansive what Jesus wants to speak into us today than exactly uh, what your your checking account looks like. It's it's bigger than that. It's, it's, It's more comprehensive. It's larger than that. As a matter of fact, it has to do with your whole life. As as a matter of fact, uh, what we're going to see today is that how you spend your money shows what you are giving your life to. So so it's not just about money. It's about your your whole life. Write that down, church family. How you spend your money shows what you are giving your life to. It does not matter if you have a lot of money. It doesn't matter if you have a little bit of money. Your checking account tells the story of what you love. Your withdrawals (laughs) is where your heart is. So what Jesus is going to do in the text today is he's going to call us away from materialism. 
Jesus is going to call us away from a life obsessed with stuff, away from a mindset that constantly upgrades wants into needs. Anybody else? I, I'm, I'm the only one in the room who does that. Oh man, I, I want, I would really like that. That would be, that would be nice to have. Gets changed into, I really need that. That, this is, that type of thinking is what Jesus is going to call us away from today. He is calling us to lift our eyes from the insignificant trinkets that the world has to offer and instead invest our lives into the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the whole sermon, here it is. Invest your life in the kingdom. Invest your life, your whole life. Every, when I say invest, I mean, I mean give of yourself. In, invest your life, your, your whole self to the kingdom. When, when I say kingdom, I mean, I mean the very present kingdom of God. What is the very present kingdom of God? Well, that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what the kingdom is. And, and on top of that, what is more, church family, as we are gathered here together as subjects of the king, we now are a picture of the kingdom. So, so the, are y'all with me this morning? So the kingdom is Jesus himself, the personal work of Christ. The kingdom is then pictured in the very gathered local body of Christ, imperfectly, I might add, but, but the kingdom is pictured in the local body gathered together because we are subjects to the king. But then on top of that, what's more is that the kingdom is the coming kingdom that will be forever. Give your life to that. Invest your life in that is what Jesus is going to tell us today. And so the kingdom is made up of people who say, it's all for the king. D does your heart say that this morning. It's all for the king. Everything I have, it's all for the king. Everything I am, it's all for the king. My family, it's all for the king. My marriage, it's for the king. My finances, it's for the king. Invest your life. Invest all you have in the kingdom. Okay, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to build this sermon um, around a set of options. Jesus is going to put other options out to us that we can build our lives around. Jesus is going to say, here's an option that you can build your life around this if you want to, but instead he's going to make the argument that we should invest our lives in the kingdom. So he's going to say, you can build your life around wanting what other people have. You, you know you can do that? It's called coveting. You can... You can build your whole life around being jealous about what other people have, or, or you can invest in the kingdom. You can build your whole life around being financially secure. You can do that. A lot of people do. Or you can invest your life in, in the kingdom. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You can build your whole life around accumulating wealth to feel safe and secure, but Jesus is warning us. He's giving us another option of things to focus our life on. So here it is. Here we go. Option one is this. Desire what you don't have or invest in the kingdom. Option two. Option two goes like this. Build security make it so that you are protected, insulated financially from, from all outside evil forces. 
Four, invest in the kingdom. Third, be anxious. There, there are so many of us that we just spend our whole lives anxious. And you can do that. You can give your life to that. Or you can invest in the kingdom. Fourthly and lastly, accumulate wealth or invest in the kingdom. And listen, for sake of clarity, listen to me. My goal today is not to take up a big offering at the end of the service. Help me today. That, that's, that is not my goal. My, my heart and my pastoral concern is this. I hope that money and the stuff that it can buy will no longer enslave you, that it will no longer enslave me, so that we are then free to invest in what really matters. We're free to invest in what is eternally significant and not just temporarily comfortable. Okay, first, get out your Bibles, Luke chapter 12. I'm starting in verse 13. Again, the first option is this. You can desire what other people have or you can invest in the kingdom. Look at verse 13 with me. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this was a common thing when, the, when there was family disputes or, or the like that people would often bring them to the rabbi for the rabbi to, to help navigate that complicated uh, family situation. So this was, a, this was a common thing. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with this man shouting out from the crowd. The problem is he's not asking for Jesus' wisdom on the situation. It's not as if the man is bringing these options. Jesus, here, here, here's what's going on, Jesus. Here's what my brother's saying. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, here's what the family agreed upon. Lord, would you speak into this? He says, tell my bro to give me the stacks. I, I want the money. That, that's, that's, what, that's what he tells Jesus. So, so it seems this guy is acting on his own because there's no indication that his brother is even there. <laughs> he he just... He doesn't want Jesus. He just wants Jesus to do something for him. Those, those are two really, really different things. Look at what Jesus responds with. But he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus totally bypasses the question because he knows the man's heart. The man is not truly seeking justice. He's seeking wealth. He's not there to submit to Jesus as the arbitrator. He's not there to submit to Jesus as the judge. That's why Jesus says that. <laughs> this guy doesn't want Jesus to be his judge. He wants Jesus to be uh, his workhorse that's going to demand his brother give him money. That, that's why Jesus totally ignores this question altogether. Now, truth be told, there's nothing wrong with this question. There's nothing wrong with especially if it's the right thing, especially if this brother is uh, maliciously withholding what is rightfully. So, so it, the question itself isn't wrong, but you have to see it shows that his priorities are wrong. As, as a matter of fact, what has Jesus just been talking about? So if you go backwards up in the text, you'll see that what Jesus has just been talking about is being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit when you're under persecution and in the middle of Jesus talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, giving you the words to say during times of persecution, this guy goes, hey, can you tell my brother to give me some money? <laughs> Meaning, 
this guy was not listening to a word Jesus said. All he's thinking about is what he can get his hands on. This is why Jesus reacts this way. This guy's question comes out of nowhere because he has not been listening to a word Jesus said. Verse 15. And he said to them, look at this, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Now to say it plainly, coveting is desiring what someone else has. Coveting is desiring what someone else has. Who can say in this room this morning that I find that nowhere in my heart? None of us. None of us is the reality. This is why I said that today the topic really is so much bigger than money because we don't just covet money. He's talking about the, 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 the nature of a covetous heart, uh, which, which invades and infects the whole life. So it's more than, is it about money? Of course it's about money, but it's more. It's, it's so much more. He's warning us against this desire this, this, that encompasses your whole life. And, and the scary thing, the scary and dangerous thing about coveting is this. Coveting is the sin that everyone does. It's the sin that no one talks about and no one knows when you do it. It's the sin that everyone does. But, but listen, church, and, unless, unless y'all's community group is way more spiritual than the community groups I've been in, not a whole lot of people in community group going, I need to confess coveting today. But, but we all do it, and when you do it, no one knows that you are doing it. This is why coveting is so dangerous. This is why it, it is so so dangerous. So be honest with yourself this morning. Ask yourself in the depths of your own heart these questions. Are you ready? It's not going to be fun. Do I want what someone else has? Their power? Their spouse? Their house? Their talents? Their influence? Do I want what someone else has? How about this one? Am I content with my condition? Am I okay with where God has me? Is that okay with me? Is where you're at in your life the best condition that you could be in? Or does your heart secretly whisper, if I were in charge, things would be better? Or how about this one? Are you happy when others enjoy what you do not have? I said it wasn't going to be fun. I'm preaching to myself too, y'all. Are you happy when you see somebody else enjoying something that you wish you had but you don't have? Or do you go, huh, must be nice. Wish, wish I could have something like that. Or does your heart say, if I had what they had, I would be happy. You see, when our hearts are set on what we don't have, it causes us to overlook the mountain of blessings that we do have. When we're focused on, well, they have this and that's what I want, or this person got this and I wish I could get that. They have this spouse or they have this job or they have this and I, I don't understand, God, why I don't have that. In that moment, you're not looking at the mountains, at the myriad of blessings that God has poured out on your life. Your, your heart is being ungrateful and childish. 
And don't we find that in ourselves? Look at what Jesus says next in verse 15. He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Meaning this, amassing more things doesn't truly satisfy us or bring us happiness. Instead, it exposes the emptiness in our lives because when we finally get what we thought we really wanted, we discover that we still feel empty. And we're on to the next thing. It's, it's on to even bigger and even better. And we get that stuff, and that stuff isn't even enough. And then we just want more even beyond that. Again, one good thing about social media, strange statement, but there is a good thing. One good thing about social media is that it has given us a window into the lives of the rich and famous, and we can see how terrible their lives are. We're wishing we had what they had, and we're watching them have it, and they're still miserable. If that's not proof, I don't know what is. And so what Jesus is saying in verse 15 is that one's Life, one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. If your life was only physical, if your life was only physical, then it could, it could uh, be all centered on possessions. But because you are body and spirit, help me today, because you are body and spirit, earthly things can't fill you up. Meaning this, if you're taking notes, you are not just a physical body. You have an eternal soul that was designed to invest in an eternal kingdom. Okay, question. How many physical possessions can fill up an eternal soul? Trick question. Trick question. There are not enough beach condos, new cars, or bigger houses to fill your soul. Don't, don't you see what Jesus is communicating to us this morning? Now, as a disclaimer, the answer is not to get rid of all of your possessions. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's not saying get rid of all of your possessions uh, because whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, you can still have a covetous heart. So it's not about getting rid of all your possessions. The answer is to first be satisfied by God. And then you can enjoy possessions. That, that's what Jesus is getting at. Don't desire what others have. Use what you have to invest in the kingdom. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying. So where will you focus your life? Here's the second option. You can build security or invest in the kingdom. First option, desire what, what other people have. Second option, build security or you can invest in the kingdom. Let's look at this parable. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man <laughs> produced... I love, the, I love the way Jesus sets this up. The land produced plentifully. All we can do is plant and water. Who brings the growth? It's God who brings it. So he's, he's even setting up this parable to show that the rich man really didn't have a lot to do with the wealth he's about to get. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. If, if that is not the spirit of this age, I don't know what is. 
Now, he said, this, the, this man in the parable says, I six times. Go back to you. I will do this. I will. On top of that, he says, my crops, my grain, my goods, my soul. The only thing on this man's self, uh, on his mind is on is himself. The problem is eternal realities are far from his mind. All he can think about is himself and eternity, which he is facing. He doesn't know he's facing it yet, by the way. Spoiler alert. The eternity that he is facing is nowhere on his mind. He's only concerned with himself. He hasn't taken that into consideration. He's asked the right question, but has come up with the wrong answer. I wonder this morning if your mind is far, far, far away from eternal realities. I feel feel it in my own heart, church family. The the day-to-day hustle and bustle of of life and marriage and parenting and work and, and, and that desire to have more. And God, it's so intoxicating. It's so intoxicating when you get something new. I've, I've got new stuff before. It feels awesome. You get in a new car, that thing smells amazing. You, you are dying to show your new friend. You move into a new house, you are calling everybody to come over and see your new house. Getting new stuff does something to us. We get intoxicated by it. And church family, we need to beware that we're missing eternal realities. Sober up. Now, listen to what he says in verse 20. But God said to him, fool. Now, is storing crops foolish? No, storing crops is not foolish. Uh, as a matter of fact, in our, in our home garden, we be, we, we're bringing in the cucumbers. That's right. We're bringing in the cucumbers. I'm getting ready to make some pickles, y'all. I'm excited about it. And yes, you can have some. I will bring you some. Now, there's nothing foolish about storing crops. Uh, is there anything foolish about recognizing that you need more space? No, there's nothing foolish about that. So why does Jesus say that he is a fool? Well, he is a fool because he has a false sense of time. Don't you see at the very end of it there? He says, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. He has a false sense of time. That's what makes him foolish. He doesn't realize that what God is about to say next, but he said, look at verse 20, but he said to him, fool, This night, your soul is required of you. There are two things that are true for all of us. We will all die, and we don't know when. So so you can be in perfect health and gone tomorrow, or you can be in terrible health and live for another 100 years. We all will die, but we do not know when. And look at what Jesus continues to say. And these things you have prepared, whose will they be? Meaning he is also foolish. He's not only foolish because of false sense of time, but he is also foolish because he has a false sense of purpose. Meaning that he believes and thinks that everything that God has blessed him with should terminate on him and his sense of security. That, that is why he is a fool. We are foolish to make financial security the aim of our life because financial security is an illusion. Meaning, no matter how much you have, it can be gone tomorrow. Pandemics, natural disasters, war, government collapse can turn millionaires into paupers overnight and all the money in the world will not stop the fact that one day you will die. That's why Jesus calls him a fool. If you're taking notes, All, listen, 
All who are wise prepare to die every day. All who are wise prepare to die every day. There, there's that country song, Live Like You Were Dying. You know, it's like, I, went, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. The, the whole deal was that he, he wanted to live like he was dying, and so he goes out and does all these wild things. His, his bucket list, right? That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. He, what Jesus is pointing us to is to live like we are dying, live like we will stand before the king. That's why we must live saying it's all for the king because we don't know when we will stand before him. And so all who are wise live every day like we're dying. Look at verse 21 together. So is the one who lays up treasures for himself, listen to this, and is not rich towards God. Now, Jesus' point is that you will stand before the creator of the universe and give an account, what will you say to him? When you stand before God, will you say, God, did you see my savings account? Ha, huh, it's pretty impressive, Lord. Lord, what about my 401k? I mean, that thing, pretty nice, Lord. Did you see that? When you were called to account, will you say to the Lord, Lord, did you see the pictures on the vacation in the Bahamas that we spent there for two weeks? Did you see those pictures, Lord? Or Lord, did you see all the bottles of wine that we brought back from our tour of the wine country, Lord? Did you... Did you see any of that? He won't say any of that. Do you see the foolishness in the so-called American dream, which is to wear nice clothes and drive a nice car and live in a nice neighborhood, to work a high-paying job, which is also low stress, by the way, um, retire early, retire early, live on a beach or live in the mountains, either one or, or maybe both. Maybe you got, a, you know, maybe you got it like that and you, and you got both. Retire early and, and just relax don't you see the foolishness in that? See how silly it is when you stand before an eternal God. Another disclaimer. I'm not saying don't pay off your house. I'm not saying that, and neither is Jesus saying that. I'm not saying don't have a savings account. I'm not saying don't have a retirement plan. I'm not even saying don't have a beach house. I hope you do. Your pastor needs a vacation. There. There is nothing inherently wrong with making money and being prosperous. There is a problem when it's all about and for you. That's the problem. The problem is when all of your wealth, everything that you've accumulated, is all used for you and yours and not for the king and his forever kingdom. So what will you do? What option will you choose? Well, here's a third option. Be anxious or invest in the kingdom. Look at verse 22 and 23 together. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, Jesus here is, is shifting in his mind, but it, but it connects here. I want you to see how this connects. Moving from the rich man in the parable, he turns to his disciples. Are they rich men? Well, not, not really. You, you had a few that left a, a fishing business behind. But, but the, listen, these men are not the wealthy elite. Okay? They're not the rich men building bigger and bigger barns. Who are they? Well, they're blue-collar workers. They're, they're regular guys 
who are worried about making ends meet. They're worried about having enough. They're not preoccupied with deciding how big a barn to build. They're preoccupied with wondering if God's going to even provide at all. Is, is he going to give me what I need? And so, church family, listen to this. Money can be helpful or hazardous to those who have it and to those who don't. Money can be helpful or hazardous, either one, to those who have it and to those who don't. Money and what it does to your heart is not just a rich man's problem. Again, I, we, could, we could define rich and poor. We could spend some time talking about how the majority of us in the room are insanely rich compared to the world. But my, my point stands is that money and what it does to our heart is not just a rich man's problem. The rich man worries about building bigger barns and spending that money on himself, but the poor man worries about not having enough food and not enough clothes. Neither of them are rich towards God because they do not trust in him. That's what it means to be rich in God, is to trust him. When you have a lot, I'm still going to invest in the kingdom and trust him. When I don't have anything, I'll take what I do have and invest in the kingdom. Why? Because it's all for the king. It's all sure though. It's all for the king. Now, Jesus gives us two examples now to reassure those who worry about not having enough. The first example is ravens. The next example is, is lilies. Look at verse 24 together. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Underline this. How much more? You need, you need to underline that. You need to highlight it. You need to hide that in your heart. You need to meditate on that. You need to take that seriously. You need to live on that. How much more value are you than the birds? These birds here, these ravens, they don't work a job. They don't have a title or a position. Uh, th these ravens don't have secret silos of grain. They, they, don't, they don't do any of that. And yet God cares about these ceremonially unclean birds. That's the point of him using the ravens, right? They're ceremonial birds. They're, they're unclean. And he said the, these unclean ceremonial birds here, that God takes care of them. And he values you. How much more? How much more? Answer the question, church family. Infinitely more. That's, that's, how much, that's how much more. And so you are infinitely more valuable. Jesus did not shed his blood for the salvation of the ravens. Jesus shed his blood for the salvation of those whom he values. He knows you. He cares for you. He loves you. And listen, he likes you he doesn't just begrudgingly love you he loves you and he likes you and he wants to spend time with you you are precious to him and so he will provide for you and which of you look at verse 25 and 26 and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life if then you are not able to do a much such a small thing as that why are you so anxious about the rest? Man, what, what important wisdom the word has for us this morning. Why are we 
so anxious. The, the problem, here's what Jesus said. The problem with worrying is that it's completely useless. It, does, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't add any time to our life. It doesn't make resources more available if we, if we worry about it. Worry doesn't add a single hour to our life. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. There is no reason to worry because God takes care of those he values. Consider the lilies. So the ravens now to the lilies. Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Here it is again. It was, in, it was there in, in verse 24. Now it hears again in verse 28. How much more? Answer, infinitely more. <laughs> that's, how, that's how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. So if God's prudential care, providential care extends to the grass, God, God's providential care, the God of the universe, cares for lilies and grass. How much more does it, does it go to you? When we give way to anxiety, what we're doing in that very moment is forgetting that we are valued by him. If you're taking notes, every believer has what they truly need. Do you believe that, believer? You have what you truly need. You will be provided for what you truly need. As a matter of fact, you have already been provided what you truly need in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Every believer has what they truly need because we are valued by him. Watch this. And, this is Jesus' next point, and he is our father. We belong to him. Look at verse 29 and 30. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after those things. Oh gosh, look at this. And your father knows that you need them. When I was a kid, I was in middle school. During the summers, during the summer, some of y'all got to play. <laughs> uh, my daddy got us up and we went to work. Uh, he, he worked construction. And dad would, he would wake us up early. And, and we would go to the construction, construction site and and, and we, would, we would frame houses, or we would trim houses, or we, we put on front decks. and back. I say we, he did. I, I just, I toted the tools. That's what I did. But in the morning, when he would wake me up to go out to the construction site, I didn't bring a bottle of water. To go work construction in the summer in Georgia, I didn't bring a lunch. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't take a first aid kit. You know, like, construction site's a dangerous place. I didn't take anything. As a middle school boy, I, I, I knew I was going to work. I didn't take any tools. As a middle school boy, all I did, I just got in the truck with my dad because I trusted he would provide what I needed. Because he's a good father. Because he's a loving father. Because he cares for us. Of course he was going to provide what I needed. My dad took me to the gas station and said, pick out whatever color Gatorade you want, son. I didn't have to worry about bottled water. I didn't have to worry about lunch. He took me to lunch. He gave me the tools. He gave me everything I needed. Because he's a good father. And don't you see, that's what God does for us. 
Don't you see that's what God does for you? So what in the world are we worrying about? We, we can spend our lives being anxious or we can invest in the kingdom. Look at this. He says this, instead, instead of, of worrying, instead of being anxious, seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Meaning, make the kingdom your first priority. Meaning, if you're taking notes, to seek his kingdom is a life that says, it's all for the king. My money, it's all for the king. My house, it's not my house, I live there. My house is, belongs to the king, it's all for him. My car, it's not my car, it belongs to Jesus. I, I use it for his purposes. Whatever his purposes are for my life, that's what I use all my stuff for, all my talents, it's all for the king. So to seek first the kingdom then, is a life that says it's all for the king. I, I am his subject. He is my master. I, I, I obey the king. Okay, fourth and lastly. Fourth option. You can accumulate wealth. A lot of people spend their whole lives doing that. Accumulate wealth or invest in the kingdom. Look at verse 32. And let this minister to your soul this morning. Fear not, little flock. A small group of sheep is hard. That's us. A small group of sheep. Those hard-headed animals, not known for their intelligence, not known for their ability to protect themselves, known for their weakness, known for their vulnerability. Church family, we are not impressive. We're really not. That, that's why he calls us here little flock. Though we are not impressive, we are precious to him. Because if we are the little flock, he then is the shepherd who cares, who cares for, for us. We are precious to him. And so what reason does he give us for not worrying? Situations that are out of your control, about situations that are out of our control. Isn't that what causes anxiety, situations that are out of your control? He's saying, don't worry about those. What reason do we have? What reason would weak, helpless sheep have to be fearless? For it is, I'm about, to, I'm about to karate kick this stand right over y'all. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't you see why that stops us from being fearful? Because listen to this, when you covet what you don't have, you're not wanting enough. Think about that. When you covet what you don't have, you're actually not wanting enough. Meaning this, what you have set your heart on is actually too little. Because if you got what you wanted, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't satisfy you. But if your heart is set on anything less than the kingdom, you will not be satisfied. But when you set your heart on the kingdom, he wants to give you the kingdom. Therefore, your heart is satisfied. <laughs> so we want a bigger house and he's offering us the kingdom. Uh, we want a new car, and he's offering us the kingdom. We want a bigger TV, a new phone, new clothes, and he's offering us the kingdom. So why would we be worried about what the world has to offer when he's given us the kingdom? He wants to do it. He has done it. He has already given you the kingdom in Jesus Christ himself. 
He has given you a picture of the kingdom. It's gathered here this morning. Citizens of the king, a broken picture, but a picture nonetheless. He's given you a local church, and he is going to give you the kingdom at his final return when he makes all things new, and he raises you, you weak believer, you little flock. He is going to raise you up to rule over that kingdom with him forever. That's, that's why we don't need to fear. Verse 33. I'm almost done. Y'all got me preaching today. Here we go. Sell your possessions and give it to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Let me make the disclaimer a third time. Jesus does not mean sell all of your possessions. I'm making that argument because early Christians had possessions. He was just at uh, Mary and Martha's house. They owned a house. He he doesn't condemn them uh, for having. Jesus is not saying sell all of your possessions, but here's what he's doing. Jesus is warning them not to be possessed by their possessions. Uh, meaning consumed with all that they have, consumed with all the worry of what they don't have. The focus of verse 33 is investment, and an earthly thing is not safe from decay or corruption. When you invest only in earthly things, that is not safe from decay and corruption. But an investment in the kingdom does not fail. It is incorruptible. And so his final verse here, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As you think about your life and all that you have, is it all for the king? Is it being leveraged for his glory, not your comfort? Is it being leveraged for his glory, not your security? Is it all for the king? Remember at the beginning of the sermon, I said, how you spend your money shows what you are giving your life to. Or to say it another way, how you spend your money shows where your heart is or shows you what you love. The commentator James R. Edwards says it this way. If God does not own our possessions, then our possessions will own us. This is a call to freedom today. I said that my goal, look, We're not passing the plates. The boxes are in the back. You can give online. You guys know that. The goal today is not to take up a big offering. The goal today is that you, that I, would be set free from slavery to money and the stuff that it buys so that we can invest in what really matters, that is the eternal kingdom. So what are we to do with this? Two things, two things, and then I'm done. First, pray for God to expose your obsession with money and stuff. Pray for God to to show you what is possessing you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your heart has been lured away from eternal things into earthly things. Ask God to do that in your life. Ask God to show you that. Ask the Spirit to speak to you and do that. Don't, Don't you know we have the indwelling of the Spirit and and, and he speaks and shows us and leads us and guides us. Ask him this morning. Second thing, second way to apply this text. Give generously to your local church. Why? Because it is God's primary means for building the kingdom. I am so grateful that this morning, as your pastor, 
I am not taking anyone to task. I'm, listen, I am so happy. I am so grateful that this morning I am not burdened because the members of this church are not generous. Can I, listen to me. As your pastor, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for how much you give. God, our membership gives like crazy, and I am so proud to be your pastor. I, listen, I talk to other guys. They are, they are bemoaning the fact that their people aren't generous. I am grateful that you are generous. Not only are you guys generous to tithe and to give, when we ask, when we say, hey, there's a need, there's a family that wants to adopt, there's a building need, there's this need, there's, there's a bill that needs to be paid, our church says, yep, sign me up. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And keep on doing it. Keep on doing it, Gospel Community Church. Keep, keep blowing away your leadership team. When, when we sit down in meetings, we look at it and we go, our people love God. Our people know that it's all about the king. Thank you for doing that. I am so grateful for that. Listen, y'all, I'm, I'm done. What, what I want to say in the close here is this. Invest your life in the kingdom because Jesus gave his life for you. We're wanting all this silly stuff when he's offering us the kingdom. That is the kingdom, Jesus himself. That is the kingdom that is here right now, pictured in the local body. And that is the kingdom which is to come. Don't waste your life. Ever reign. Listen, invest your life in the kingdom. Don't waste your life. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for these parables which teach us about you which show us a bigger picture than our small minds could imagine on our own. Lord, you show us an eternal picture of a forever kingdom which will last forever. And so, God, we pray now that you would take this picture of this eternal kingdom and you would bring it forefront in our minds that our small and trivial possessions and investments and our false sense of security would die and pale in comparison to the work of the forever kingdom. God, help us to see the, the meaningfulness of investing in your kingdom. Give us general to continue, oh Lord, that would pour out for your kingdom work, God. We want the gospel to continue to go forth. We want lives to be changed. We want marriages to, to be healed. We want more children adopted. We want you to continue to bless people through your church. And all of that is going to take generous people. And so, Lord, oh God, give us generous hearts today as we consider what you say in your text. Oh God, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.